0: to confess something to you before um, we get going. I have tried to write this down. Um, This is the first time I don't have any notes. There's no computer. There's no nothing. There's no notes. And here's the truth of it. It's because I don't exactly know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to go ahead and just be real honest about that. Um, And it's not for a lack of preparation. It's not for a lack of Of trying. It's one of those, have you ever sat down and then you're like, okay, today's the day, I'm gonna, it's just gonna finally all sort of come together. And all the words that I seem to have for what I wanna talk about just didn't work out. Not enough where I was like, yep, this is exactly what I'm gonna use. Um, So I've just been praying on it. So we'll just uh, have a conversation together uh, today uh, about, I think, the ways that, God has been speaking to us for the past seven months. I get emotional about it already, which is not a good sign that we're this early and I'm starting to get all choked up a little bit. Um, but I, I'm, I, as we have invited, are inviting people in, um, this for some of you are visiting with us today and I'm glad that you're here um, because that's what we want to be about, right? Always being a place where uh, somebody who's brand new can come and feel a part of what we've got going on here. Um, But there's been some stuff that's been happening for the last seven months as we've been meeting at a a school down the road. We've been meeting at Potter's House together. And we've been having these conversations for seven months, kind of preparing ourselves for the next phase of church. The next phase of how we want this body to be. And um, the, the things that we've been looking at have been specifically about who Jesus is and was. How he's very much alive today, but we've kind of we we really took some time to dig into the the gospels and to be able to look at exactly the way that Jesus behaved, the kind of um, reckless behavior that he had, uh, the reckless way that he loved people, the reckless way that he sort of looked at the standard of the day and was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I loved that about the way that Jesus lived his life when he was here. And we've talked about how we want to be more like that. There was so much risk uh, that, that Jesus took. And we've been, talking, we've been having this conversation. But we live where we live. And some of you maybe have grown up in this area, in this culture your whole life. And part of it has nothing to do with living in West Michigan, but it has everything to do with just the thing that we share about being human. If you, did everybody get one of these pieces? If you don't have one, um, there's some in the back. I highly recommend that you that you grab one, because I just want us to spend time with this today. It's it's a piece of slate. Jody got it on sale, so thanks. Um, I appreciate that. We appreciate a, a bargain. Um, but what I love about this is when we broke it when we we broke it on purpose, because there's so many edges. To it and if you're not careful, you'll cut yourself, right? When it used to be this sort of beautiful um, square piece, right? And then when we broke it, it got to be sort of these jagged edges. And, and I've been thinking about and, and, and praying about what how this so much reflects the, the lives that we live. We've got these jagged edges and these pieces that I used to think for a long time that the way that I talked about the way that Jesus loves us, was that eventually that this would get all smoothed out and that this piece that's kind of jagged would really look like this. This is from Brian's house. He put it in his kitchen. Isn't that going to look nice? It's, it's, this, it's beautiful. It's shiny. It's going to fit right next. Maybe they're going to take a couple pieces and they're, they're going to have a cool design and it's going to look Really nice and sharp. It's gonna look good. And I always kind of preach that message and, and took that message to heart for me is that when Jesus loves us, that He heals and He heals our brokenness, and then we look like this to Him. That we are shiny and new and it's amazing. And I don't think that's true. I think this is true for us when we get to heaven that we're made shiny and new and that we have the perfect pieces and they're gonna look good and they're gonna fit together and it's gonna be amazing. But right now, I think that we remain like this. That we have these jagged pieces of who we are, the broken pieces of who we are, and we say yes to Jesus and we love him with our whole hearts, but that doesn't change the fact that we still struggle, that we still have broken pieces, that our edges are still jagged, that they're not perfectly round, they're not gonna fit into something. I don't know what those, as you hold this in your hand and you turn it around, what are those, what is that for you? I mean, we have people that that have addiction Some that maybe we know about and some that we don't. There are marriages that look really good when they're here on a Sunday morning, but maybe are falling apart at home, where they don't like to look at each other in the face anymore. Um, Maybe you're in a relationship that's not healthy or helpful, and it's a friendship, and you've you've been with this friend for a really long time, and you love them and care about them, but... Maybe um, you've got some financial stuff. We carry a lot of guilt and shame about our finances. I do. If I would have been, if I would have listened, I would be in such a different place. Being almost 40, I'm 39, so it's, right? But if I had listened and done the thing that I was supposed to do, if I would have done it right, I would be in a different place. I bought my first place a year and a half ago, two years ago. Man, I, I still have student loans. If, if I could figure those out and smooth that part out, I'd be in a better spot. If I would lose 50 pounds, I would feel really good about myself. We have a lot of secrets. I think secrets damage us. I think when I think about the stuff that we deal with. Secrets are one of those things because it's, it's this, we're dealing with something as a family unit, but I don't want anyone else to know. And secrets um, weigh on us. Those things that you have that you want to clean up. The things in your life that you wish that you could chisel away at and sand away at so that it looked more like this, so that you would be presentable. If I could just, if I can just get it together, you ever say that to yourself? Somebody invited me to join a class at a gym, and I was like, I got to work out before I do that. (laughs) You know, I I don't want to embarrass myself, so I want to like work out a little bit, get it a little bit better, and then I'll go. But when I say it out loud, I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Who does that? But I think that's exactly how we tend to live is we try to figure out how can I smooth these parts over? How can I be unbroken before I'm acceptable to the Father, to the church, to people? I want to look more like this. And I think for me when it happened, when I, I'm, that's, this is unattainable. Jesus, but the, the, the thing about being in a relationship with Jesus is that he sees you this way. He understands the brokenness and the things that you have in your life, but he thinks it's just as beautiful as this. And that was a, I don't know, a bit of a game changer for me. And I think it's still something I'm trying to figure out in my own mind is that for so long, it was like, nope, this is the way Jesus makes us. But we stay this way because we, live, we still live in a world where we are outside of a right relationship with Jesus. And as hard as we work to try to attain, to do the right things, to smooth this out so that this looks good, so that we're acceptable and holy and pleasing, it's just in vain. We just work our tails off because we hear and we see and we read and we talk about that it's for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. But we work our butts off to look like this to smooth it all out. And as I think about the kind of place that we want to be, it's I want rooms filled with people like this. I don't want you to have to work out before you come. Because we can get together and see that it, it we we are still this is still beautiful. There's there's beauty in the in the broken. And that God notices us and that he sees us and that he loves us in spite of and because of all the pieces that don't make sense. I was um, reading a, a story in the Old Testament, one that I remember from school, but was um, but we talked about it again at, in um, worship planning. Mephibosheth. I got to see the word in order to say it right. Mephibosheth. I practiced really hard this week, but has anyone ever heard of Mephibosheth? A couple of you maybe? Um, Mephibosheth, the more I say it, the better it gets. You're impressed. Uh, Mephibosheth was um, from the line of King Saul. And so if you remember, um, there's, there's lots that we could unpack about that whole saga. But just for what you need to know about knowing who Mephibosheth is, is that uh, his granddad was King Saul, and he was the son of Jonathan, and there's a lot of history with King David um, and that whole family, right? And so Jonathan and David were best friends. And when Paul, or when um, excuse me, when Saul started to sort of lose his mind then there, um, he made some promises to Jonathan that he would take care of his family. He made those promises and said, "This is this is the promise that I make to you. I will take care of your family. You don't need to worry about it." And Saul and um, Jonathan died on the same day. They died in battle. Saul fell on his own sword um, because he didn't want to be captured. And Jonathan, along with his two other brothers, died in battle. So Mephibosheth is left as a five-year-old boy. And if you fast forward a little bit in 2 Samuel, David is now king. And he wants to bring in. he says, "Who's, who's left in the line of Saul so that I can show them kindness? Because the interesting thing about um, kingdoms then was that it would be normal for the, um, the reigning king to want to wipe out the rest of uh, the last sort of line so that there could be no later claims to the throne. And so he's like, yeah, I'd like to find whoever's left in, in, this, in this line of, of, of people. And so he goes and asks one of the servants, um, Mephibosheth is uh, older now. And he's part of still living in the house, but not as a person with any um, authority or rule of his own house because he's a cripple. He, um, his, when he was young, his uh, they were trying to hurry uh, and flee out of their home, and a nurse dropped him, and it ended up crippling both his feet, so he couldn't walk. And if you know anything, we talk about in the in the especially in the Old Testament, really throughout the whole. Well, that those kind of imperfections had no place. They weren't worthy of really anything. We know most of those people, if they didn't come from a, from a family that had any kind of wealth, they became beggars. And even if they did come from a family with wealth, they would most likely have been tossed out. But for whatever reason, there was still a place in his family in, uh, from, a, from Mephibosheth, even though he had these imperfections. And we you put the... the the scripture on there. This is from 2 Samuel. So he calls him in, uh, King David, and he says, Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till, shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So I just find that interesting, right? The, 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 the servant uh, is it, that was sort of allowing Mephibosheth and his family to sort of stay, it isn't upset by it. He seems to understand uh, what he's trying to do. He's not going against it. Um, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's son. He ate at his table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Shishak's servants. So Mesh- he said it a long time. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. How does it end? Read it. Now he was... Don't forget. It's like the writer's reminding you, don't forget that piece. He got to eat at the king's table when he was not ever supposed to be. Nothing, um, nothing impure was ever allowed at the king's table. If you think about, like, what it meant um, to, to have, a, like, a royal banquet, which I have sort of no idea, but here, here's the thing. I watched Downton Abbey, and I watched the movie, right? And the, the literally, the king and queen of England are going to come, right? And so they bring their, I mean, the, 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 um, the king and queen bring their own, like, royal servants because they want to make sure everything is that perfect. Really, that's the same kind of thing that was happening then. They wanted to make sure that everything was perfect, that everything's laid out, that everything that's on the king's table is the best of the best of the best of stuff. The food's the best. The the table landscape, is that a thing? The tablescape is a thing, and that is the best. Everything they used was the best, and nothing that had any impurities would ever be allowed at the king's table. And if you think about the way that the... um, the Jews of that day were to bring their offerings. When they were going to bring offerings to the Lord, there's not an impurity that was supposed to be found. If you brought something uh, and, and laid it on the table and, and, and offered it as a sacrifice that had something, an impurity wrong with it, that did not go well for you. <laughs> that, that was, I mean, you, that was looked down on. That was like one of the worst things that you could do. Not everybody could afford the same kinds of things, right? So, not everybody was rich enough to bring a fatted calf, but there was like all these equivalents. Well, then you can bring two birds, and you can bring, but no matter what you brought, it had to be perfect without imperfections. And then in comes Jesus, who behaves a lot like David and says, You are welcome at my table. The time I spend with with people in the the world as I'm here in my ministry are a lot of people that that look look like this. They're the lame. They're 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 the tax collectors. They're the people that have the stuff that you can see on the outside. You can see their cracks. You can see their jagged edges. And he said, you're welcome in my presence and at my table. I love that. They were able to eat at the king's table. And so us, for us, all our imperfections, all the things that uh, we struggle with and that, that pieces of us that make us broken, we are still welcome at this table. The broken pieces of our lives, the stuff that we're still trying to figure out, the fact that maybe there are people sitting in here right now that go, I'm not even sure about this whole thing. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Jesus is who you say he is. I'm not sure the church is for me. That's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. It doesn't have to look like this for you to be welcome at this table and in this place. So what I want you to be able to do today is to think and really Search out for yourself, what, what are these pieces? What are the, what are the pieces of you that are, you're constantly trying to shave off and to fix so that you become presentable, that you get together before you come? We're going to pray in a minute. And I want you to just think about that. I'm going to leave some silence. And for me, to leaving silence is really hard. But I'm going to, and I just want you to be able to confess those things and give them to God because he sees this in you and he still believes that you are beautiful and amazing and wonderful because he made you to be that way, because he died for you, his blood shed for you, his body was broken for you. We get this someday, but for right now, he loves you just as you are. Let's pray. God, we just come before you with these pieces of slate in our hand. And it's it's pretty amazing to know and to believe that you love us with all this stuff with all these imperfections, with all the things that even bring us guilt and shame, jagged pieces that might be abuse, guilt and shame we feel for constantly striving to be good enough or better, maybe because we're, we're trying desperately to please our earthly parents. Maybe it's Represents mistakes for us that we've, we've just made over and over again. And we say to ourselves every time, it's going to be different. It's going to be, I'm going to get it together. So God, we, we, we lift these broken pieces to you.